Hi friends! So, as I record this, it's April 14, 2020, and we just had a traditional spring snowstorm here in Minnesota. Ha! You think I'm kidding. Anywho, we're in the middle of the shelter-in-place order for the coronavirus pandemic, and when this started getting intense at the beginning of March here in Minnesota, I kind of dropped everything and started sewing face masks. I decided that was really important, and so I didn't do an episode for March. And here it is a month later, and I am still sewing face masks. I've made them for hospitals, family, friends, neighbors, and I'm still sewing them. And I'm realizing this is going to be a need for the indefinite future. And so I realize I can't burn out. I need to find some kind of balance and not just sew every waking hour. So I'm going to keep doing this podcast because it makes me happy. It makes other people happy. And I just need it. So. Here we go, episode 16. I wanted to have more books to tell you about, but honestly, I read several duds this time that aren't even worth talking about. One really bugged me. It was a cozy mystery, and it turned out to be so cozy, the author couldn't be bothered to actually solve the mystery. It was like, well, this person is probably the murderer, but that would be really sad if it were true. So we'll just move on. What? No, you can't do that. It was self-published, so maybe that should have been a clue. Blah. Then there were some mediocre picture books, and I'm trying to find a good book for kids about the Christmas truce during World War One, and I've gone through about four of them so far and don't like any of them. The last one I was going through. I thought it was going to be good. It was really gorgeous illustrations and good information. But then it had actual photos of the battlefields with dead people and dead horses. And that was just too much. So if you have a book about the Christmas truce that you love, please email me and tell me about it. ChristmasBookReview at gmail.com. Thank you in advance. And now let's get to the books I did like. For this episode, I've got four books. The Carpenter's Gift, a picture book. The Christmas Tugboat, another picture book. Christmas Stories, which is a collection of little stories um, in chapter book form. And Dasher, another picture book. So let's get to the reviews. First is The Carpenter's Gift by David Rubel, illustrated by Jim LaMarche, published by Random House in 2011. This is a picture book about a family living through the Great Depression in a very small house, really more of a shack. Henry, an only child, helps his father one day cut down some spruce trees from the forest and take them into the city in a borrowed truck to sell for other people's Christmases. Both his parents are out of work and can't afford coal for the stove or warm blankets for the bed, much less any Christmas presents. 
The place where they are selling the trees is Rockefeller Center in New York City, which is just being built. And Henry's father befriends some construction workers while they are there. At the end of the day, they have a few trees left, and Henry's father gives them to his new friends. The workers decorate the largest tree with paper garlands, cranberries threaded onto string, and a few shiny tin cans to leave on the work site. Henry picks a big pine cone from the tree and takes it home. The next day, which is Christmas Day, the workers show up unexpectedly at Henry's house with leftover building materials, and they start building a real house for Henry and his family. It's a fantastic surprise, basically just what Henry was wishing for, a nice warm house for his family. So Henry plants the pine cone, and over the years it grows into a wonderful, huge tree. Years later, when Henry is old and retired and living back in his childhood home, a man comes to ask if they can take his tree to be the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center where it will bring joy to thousands of people. And after Christmas, the man says, the tree will be milled into lumber and donated to Habitat for Humanity, which is a real organization that builds homes for needy families around the world. So the story kind of comes back all the way around to where it started with the building of a house for a family in need. I really enjoyed this story. The illustrations are realistic and really beautiful, especially the facial expressions on the people. It's a gentle story about a difficult time, the Great Depression, and it's full of Christmas spirit. Henry receives a wonderful gift as a child, and he's able to give back in kind when he's an adult. At the back of the book, there's additional information about both Rockefeller Center and Habitat for Humanity. And there's a great black and white photo of the construction workers with that first Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center in 1931 when it was just being built. So this is a wonderful story. I'm giving it a nine out of 10. Great book. Okay, the second book I wanna tell you about is The Christmas Tugboat, written by George Matheson and Adele Ursone illustrated by James E. Ransom, published by Clarion Books in 2012. So this is a contemporary story. It's about a tugboat captain and his family and their journey to pick up the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree and tow it into New York City Harbor. The co-authors are actually that family, as it's based on their real experience of getting that special job one November. It's told from the point of view of the tugboat captain's daughter, who tells us all the details of working on a tugboat, how the tugboat engine is a hundred times bigger than her, that all the rooms in the tugboat are small and cozy, and it feels like a big dollhouse. The fastest you go on a tugboat is nine knots, which is only about 11 miles an hour. So it's a slow trip and her father tells her stories passed down to him about, quote, storms and pirates and explosions at sea, unquote. He teaches her how to read the river charts and that they show everything from buoys to rocks 
of pipelines that cross under the river. When they arrive to pick up their tow, it's a long barge with a full-size 18-wheeler on it where the tree is all bound up, just like Christmas trees we've carried home, only it's 20 times as big, says the girl. The whole journey takes two days, so they stop and tie up overnight. The girl's mom sings a barge's song to her before they go to sleep, and when they wake up early in the morning, the huge Christmas tree twinkles in the dawn light with dew, as if it's already been strung with a million lights. Quote, the night and the cold have decorated it just for us, unquote, mom says. It's a beautiful, quiet moment with the family. Later that day, as they pull into New York Harbor, there are helicopters overhead and a huge tour boat full of cheering, waving schoolchildren. The girl gets to take the wheel of the tug for a while, which sounds really exciting and like it's a big honor. Then her father steers the barge into the seawall in the East River where another crew takes over to drive the big rig to Rockefeller Center. And that's where the story ends. There's a couple notes in the back about tugboats and the artist's methods that round out the story nicely. I really enjoyed this book as well. It's a very specific story of Christmas and not one I've ever experienced. And yet the family coming together and doing something quiet and meaningful was what I related to. I loved learning about the tugboat and being on the river. That was really fascinating. The excitement of shepherding the biggest Christmas tree in the country to its quote-unquote home was super cool. The way it was written was pretty straightforward, but there were some really lyrical moments. Great book. I'm giving it a high score, 10 out of 10. Okay, the next book I want to tell you about is just called Christmas Stories by Laura Ingalls Wilder, published by HarperCollins in 1998. Now you may be thinking, 1998, Laura Ingalls Wilder? Well, this is actually part of a series of little house books, and it was not originally written as a collection of Christmas stories. Instead, the publishers who own the rights to Laura Ingalls Wilder's work have done this marketing thing where they've chopped up the work and put it back together in a different form. In this case, the series is called Little House Chapter Books, and this is number five, Christmas Stories. It's a collection of parts of different Little House books, but only the parts about Christmas. So it starts with a chapter when Laura and Mary are very young and Carrie is a baby and progresses through time with the girls getting older and living in different places. I think this was a really clever idea on the publisher's part because it might be a good way to introduce the reader to Wilder's world of stories about her childhood and motivate them to read further. The chapters are short, only five or six pages long, and the language is easy to read. Inside the front cover, it describes the series as, quote, gentle adaptations of the original novels, unquote, and says these are for children, quote, not quite ready for the novel series, unquote. Yeah, so it's clever, but, hmm, I have mixed feelings about this. Anytime a writer's work is adapted, I am suspicious. 
And the word gentler makes me doubly wary. What did they remove, I wonder? I never read the original series, so I can't tell you. I know, I live in the Midwest, and I've never read Laura Ingalls Wilder. Shocking. Well, hey, I grew up in California. But I suspect the grit of living on the prairie in the 19th century is pretty much gone from these stories. All that's left is the sweetness with no contrast. Now, I watched the TV show Little House on the Prairie, so I know the stories a bit, but again, that's just another adaptation. I don't know Wilder's language and the beauty we might be missing in this adaptation. So this is just a long way of saying, be ye warned, this ain't the original. If you want to give your child a taste of prairie life and see if they're interested, sure. There's Pa whittling a beautiful wooden shelf and Ma baking cookies and pies for Christmas. But there's no butchering the animals for meat. Nothing a modern kid might flinch at. And if you're feeling nostalgic for the original stories, you probably don't want to get this. <laughs> Having said all of that, this is a pretty nice collection for what it is. Just taking it on its own merits, it's some sweet stories of frontier life seen through the eyes of Laura, the middle child in this frontier family. My favorite story is the one with Mr. Edwards, in which he arrives one Christmas morning with presents for all the girls from Santa, who he ran into on the other side of the creek in town. There's no snow, so instead of a sled and reindeer, Santa was traveling with a pack mule. It's a very funny story. And what the girls get for Christmas is really telling about the uh, life on the prairie and that time. They get their very own tin cup, a penny each, a shiny new penny, and a peppermint stick. Wow. <laughs> so I enjoyed reading this book, and it did sort of transport me with its Christmas spirit. So I am going to recommend it. I'm giving it an 8 out of 10 with the aforementioned caveat. Okay, the last book I want to tell you about today is Dasher by Matt DeVaris, published in 2019 by Candlewick Press. So this is a picture book, and it's actually the same artist who made Red and Lulu, the picture book about the cardinals whose tree gets taken to Rockefeller Center. That was one of my favorites. This one, meh. It's a pretty simple story about where Santa's reindeer came from. You know, Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, Blitzen. Yeah, I know. Some people say Donder, and some people say Donner. Tavares says Donner. Anyway, first there's a sort of pre-story where we learn that Santa didn't start with a team of reindeer. No, back when there weren't so many kids who believed in Santa, there was just one horse, Silverbell. And he's getting pretty stressed out because the sleigh is getting heavier and heavier every year. Then the actual story starts. Dasher and his family, who remain unnamed besides Mama until the end of the story, are working for a traveling circus, and it's a hard life. During the day, they get grabbed by people, and it's noisy and hot in the small pen where all the reindeer are kept. 
Then at night, we see in the illustration that the reindeer have to pull all the cages where the other animals are kept into the next town. One night, Dasher's pining for the fjords. No, not the fjords. He's pining for the homeland that Mama describes in her stories about where she and Papa used to live. There's a big windstorm, and the gate on the pen swings open. Dasher dashes away, as you do if your name is Dasher, and runs and runs, and finally has to rest when she overhears a conversation which turns out to be Santa consoling Silverbell because the poor overworked horse needs another rest from carrying the overloaded sleigh. Dasher steps in and offers to help. Santa interviews her for the job. Have you ever pulled a sleigh? He asks. Sleigh? No, but I pull a wagon almost every night, Dasher says. Where do you see yourself in five years? No, Santa doesn't ask that. But he does ask, how would you like to make a whole bunch of children really happy on Christmas morning? And Dasher likes children because some of them are nice and give her carrots, which are her favorite. So she takes the job. And when she goes home with Santa, she realizes the North Pole is exactly how Mama described her homeland. Well, this makes Dasher happy, but she misses Mama and the rest of her nameless family. So she tells Santa, and they go get her family. Easy as that. There's no struggle, no bargaining with Finnegan, the owner of the circus, who is supposedly mean to animals who try to escape. Although we never see that since Dasher's escape was successful. And that's pretty much it. The reindeer are happy in their new home and they like flying for Santa. Hmm, a bit boring, right? I mean, it's nice. I like the idea of Silver Bell and then Santa needing a bigger team. But I wanted more adventure, more struggle. Dasher runs away and has no obstacles along the way. She just accidentally runs into Santa and then, oh, everything's fine. And why Dasher? I mean, what's so special about her? Then when she misses her family, it's like no problem to just go and get them. I wanted more struggle then the end would have been more meaningful. Instead, it's just kind of meh, no biggie. Finnegan could have been a great villain, but he's never given the chance. I feel like this was a good idea, but he just didn't develop it enough. So, I'm giving it a 7. It's not bad, it's just kind of boring. So, there you go. That's all the Christmas books for this time. As always, I'll have links in the show notes to the books I reviewed, and those are links to the books for sale at thriftbooks.com, not Amazon. Neither of them pay me, I just believe in getting used books when you can, and I like Thriftbooks' company philosophy. I'll also have links to my email, my Instagram, and my Patreon if you'd like to support the show with a buck or two a month. I'd really appreciate it especially now that the libraries are closed indefinitely and I have to get my books by buying them. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you leave me a review somewhere, I'll be happy to send you a Christmas book review postcard. Just send me an email at christmasbookreview at gmail.com and let me know. Leaving a review, even a super short one, helps new listeners find me. And if you want to recommend a book, or you're an author and you'd like me to review your book, 
send me an email. I do take suggestions. Until next time, happy reading.